1: Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health Podcast. My guest is uh, Dr. Shamin Habib. Uh, she's the co-founder of uh, a company called You May Care. And the website is U-M-A-Y dot C-A-R-E. So, uh, Shamin, thanks for coming. How are you doing?
2: I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, what's the premise of, uh, of You May? What's the company about?
2: So, uh, You May you Care is a, it's a consumer wellness company um, that really started about Five years ago uh, with the intent to solve a personal problem. So um, the story actually, if you rewind back, actually started about 10 years ago. Um, I was just finishing up optometry school in Boston, um, and at the same time, my older brother and um, our now CEO, Ali, was finishing up his post-engineering degree in an MBA in Holland. So uh, the two of us kind of finished up around the same time. We both meet back home in Edmonton, Alberta, and naturally, Ellie comes to see me for an eye exam. Uh, And so at that time, I diagnosed him with a a condition known as meibomian gland dysfunction. So really long technical term for a set of very common symptoms um, under what we call digital eye strain. So if your eyes have ever felt um, itchy, watery, burning, red, kind of dry eyes, uh, especially after using a computer or screen, that's because of the strain it's putting on, on the oil glands that are found along our eyelid margin. So, so just to take a step back and give you a bit of context on what all that means, um, the way we're using digital devices now, we don't really realize the impact that it's having on our eyes and our overall health. And so when it comes to our eyes, um, what most people don't realize is that when we look into screens, our blink rate reduces by up to 70%. And uh, it's those blinks that help pump out the healthy oil from those glands to protect our tears from evaporating or drying out. So now, if you look at what's happened in the last 10 years since the introduction of the smartphone, the prevalence of this condition has dramatically changed. So, you know, in clinic, we would see um, patients um, and diagnose them with these symptoms primarily because of their age. But now, with the amount of screen time rising to 10 hours and 39 minutes a day, we now have patients as young as four and five year olds coming in with um, signs of of this condition. So the inspiration, for, yeah, for Yume, really came from the the traditional recommended treatment that I suggested to Ali, um, which was to apply heat. And um, you know, clinically we know that it's effective because it's it's going to help melt the the oil in those glands and kind of get that natural flow going. Um but we didn't really have any any sophisticated treatments at the time, so I told him literally go home, take a face cloth, put it in hot water in your sink, wring it out, and then put it over your eyes, um, at bedtime every day. So he kinda looked at me and was like, Really? And I said, yeah, go home, this is what, you know, this is what you've got to do. Um, so you can imagine, like, he goes home and he struggles to get the right temperature and the position right, and it's, it's quite a messy application, like water is dripping down his face, and, you know, he comes back to me, he's like, this is not going to work. Um, and so Ali's engineering uh, background kind of, his hat went on there, and, and he thought, okay, well, there's got to be a better way to deliver consistent, controlled heat. And so that's kind of where where the idea started, and we started looking at you know can we create um, an at home product with a simple uh, solution that would be effective, and really empower patients to do this on their own um, in a in an application that they would enjoy doing.
1: Well, can you say more about the condition? So what what happens? What do people notice again? And then what does it do to the person first, and then t- over time?
2: So what happens is so when we're when we're constantly doing this. Um, you know, focusing on screens and not blinking enough, the actual oil gland is not able to release um, a a little bit of oil that actually protects our tears. So if you imagine, like, leaving a a can of paint open, right, the top layer of that paint is going to start to create this kind of hard, crusty um, surface. And so that's what's happening on the surface of our eyes. And so you start to experience, like, itchy, watery, burning um, red dry eyes. And a lot of people kind of attribute that to just kind of being tired at the end of the day or, you know, looking at a screen all day, um, but don't really realize that, you know, by not blinking enough, we're not allowing that oil from our gland to release and protect the, the tears. So when we apply heat at a therapeutic level for a consistent amount of time, so the recommended time is about 10 minutes a day, Um, What we're doing is we're we're melting that oil and that gland to a nice consistency similar to to olive oil so that naturally when we're blinking, we're restoring the the natural tear film on our eyes and protecting them from drying out. So what the device does is um, we're able to consistently deliver that therapeutic heat for the right amount of time Um, and offer relief that that is also preventative um, and a good management for people who kind of suffer from this chronically.
1: So the oil is the tears or the oil just lubricates the eyeball? What's the the point Uh, of the oil?
2: Yeah so we can go a little more granular into the anatomy um, of the eyes so if you look at the tear film there's actually three different layers. Um, There's a mucin layer, an aqueous or watery layer, and then a lipid layer. So the mucin layer is the one that kind of adheres the tear to the surface of our eye. The aqueous layer is the watery layer delivering nutrients and moisture. And then the lipid layer is the the most superficial layer. So that layer is the one that's going to protect the other two from evaporating. And that's the layer that is produced when we're blinking. So when we're not blinking... Yeah, we're not getting that protective uh, coating there.
1: So what? Um, so the mechanism for us is when we blink, what happens? Our, our eyelid, like, is a windshield wiper that smooths this. Does it, does it take an oil droplet and smooth it over the eyeball?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's you can imagine like with the the little bit of pressure that comes from our eyelids closing together, um, that is actually squeezing out a little droplet of oil. And then with our blink, as we close the eyes and open them again, you can almost imagine that that window has become nice and clear again um, and covered with that surface of of protective oil on the surface of our eye. Yeah.
1: Okay. I never knew this. This It's
2: pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah.
1: where Where is the gland located? Is it in the corner of the eye, like where you pick out eye boogers or where is it?
2: So, so yeah, interesting. People kind of notice that cresting in the mornings and stuff because those glands are kind of blocked and not kind of flushing flushing things out overnight. But, yeah, we have about 75 of those glands. Um, there's 50 on the top lid and 25 on the bottom. Um, and so there's, they're almost, you can imagine, um, where your eyelash line is. Directly behind that, there's these tiny, tiny little follicles along the eyelid margin um, that line the surface and that's where um, they're located.
1: And why, why does blinking uh, prevent them from drying out? What, what, the action of blinking, what does it do to, uh, is it just it stimulates the gland to release a tiny bit so it doesn't get uh, yeah. stopped up and hardened?
2: Exactly, yeah. So that's like, like, on average, I mean, with the blink rate reducing by 50 to 70%, that's significantly gonna reduce the amount of oil that's gonna get squeezed out of those glands. So if you look at the anatomy of the gland, it's almost like a tube, um, and it has this kind of supply of oil, you could say, um, that's meant to release, um, and it's reproduced, and with a healthy tear film and healthy uh, gland, it's going to have a consistency of an olive oil. But when people are not um, blinking enough, looking at screens at 11-plus hours a day, that oil is not getting um, released, it's backing up into that, tube and it's starting to thicken and get backed up. So in some patients we'll see that consistency start to become very cloudy and um, thick almost like toothpaste where you know we'll physically kind of push on the lid a little bit and see you know what happens when we try to squeeze out some of the oil and it becomes so thick that those glands are not releasing you know um, enough moisture on the eye that eventually they can start to atrophy and die off and you know th- this is kind of the point where we want to start educating people about you know their eye health like we look at um the way that we're consuming technology now about 80 percent of that is just through our vision and our eyes you know we brush our teeth twice a day but we never really think you know what are we doing to help um you know take care of our eyes and, and our and our eye health
1: what what happens while we sleep we're sleeping for like yeah. three, eight hours like what's our eye doing
2: yeah, so when we're sleeping, because the the eyelids are closed, we're protecting that tear film, right? Um, but what happens in some patients is that um, some people sleep with a slightly incomplete incomplete uh, lid closure, so sometimes they're getting that um, dryness uh, even overnight because the the cornea is slightly exposed um, to air. And you know, if you also look at the amount that we're sleeping and how little we're doing of that more and more um you know about 90 percent of us will will put our phone down up until the last minute before falling asleep and the first thing we do is we look at our phone right so if you look at the amount of sleep and the quality of sleep that we're getting uh it's most definitely having an effect on on our on our eyes as well
1: so if you um you know if you're not blinking much this stuff is uh hardening then you look okay. at your phone and you go right to sleep. Now your eye is still not in a state where you're cycling the oil. It's just kind of sitting there overnight. Yeah. So without yeah. heat, it, that probably makes it maybe worse. I don't know.
2: It, well, it, it's and that's why we kind of suggested as a, a daily routine. Um, one, because we need a, an application where we can at least get effective heat. Like this face cloth that I suggested to Ali um, was a step in that direction, but... You know, when you heat up a face cloth, you're going to get um, heat loss immediately and you're not going to be able to get appropriate contact and, and um, just the application is not effective enough. So that's why it's become more of a routine. Um, and with UMa, we started to look at, okay, well, we're not just solving a problem where we have these blocked oil glands. We'll have to also address the user experience and the user compliance You know, if you talk to an optometrist or an ophthalmologist and you say, you know, what's the biggest complaint you have when you recommend warm compresses to your patient? And almost 100% of the time, they'll say that um, patients aren't compliant. So when we looked at, you know, developing a product that people would actually want to use and be effective, we had to also look at the, you know, the routine and how this would integrate into a daily habit for people. And that really kind of inspired the design that you see, and you know the way that we talk about the bedtime routine and how we go to sleep, and not just how much we sleep, um, and you know like talking about the screen time and some of these other environmental effects that are starting to contribute to the effect that we're seeing on our health. That all became a real big part of uh, the solution in educating people, um, so they really understand what role this plays, like. The device um, is one part of the solution, but it's really about understanding, you know, and questioning some of these questions about, you know, how are we consuming technology? What are we doing for self-care? How are we actively disconnecting um, from, you know, everything that we're consuming more and more um, uh, in our day to day?
1: So, what is it about screens that reduce your blink rate? Like, what what physiological mechanism besides uh, or in addition to you know, lubricating the eyeball, does blinking do, is there anything else? And and why does the blink rate reduce with screens?
2: It's just our our kind of adaptive ability. Like when we're we're focused on something, uh, we want to consume and take in as much as we can, right? It's just our brain's ability to be able to take in information. And so we kind of push those limits and we do that. Um, because we want to take in more. So naturally, our tendency to blink becomes less because we don't want to miss anything. You know, like people talk about FOMO or that fear of missing out. It's a real thing. And and you see it in in terms of um, in the eyes and also in terms of sleep, like how little we pay attention to, you know, how much time we need to, to go to bed at night to kind of restore things. And so the same thing happens with our eyes is that we just don't want to, um, lose our focus, so we keep keep staring and not blinking.
1: You should make a term called phobia, fear of blinking your eyes
2: when
1: yeah. you're looking at a screen. You know. Yeah, like, I think
2: so. Yeah.
1: I'm wondering, yeah. um, you know, like my um, my son, you know, plays these, you know, the video games and stuff, and they have new monitors that show the game at like 60 frames per second instead of 30. And I wonder if that would modulate uh, if someone blinks or not the the frame rate. I just a thought crossed my mind. I don't know how you'd yeah. I, mean, I guess you'd have to test yeah. it, but I wonder, have you seen experiments where, depending upon the brightness of the screen or the contrast mm-hmm. or the frame rate or anything, if that modulates um, how people blink?
2: Yeah, I haven't, but I I have heard more of these questions coming up also in terms of, you know, I think there was just um, a computer released not too long ago where they're actually integrating, um, like, they're trying to eliminate the amount of blue light that's coming from from screens and just like um, the effect of the light behind there. Um, And in terms of the the frame uh, speeds, I haven't heard heard about that, but I'm not surprised. And I think people are going to be looking more and more at some of these things because I don't think that that 11 hours a day of screen time is going to change. If not, it might even go up. But I do think that people are going to find ways to... um, to kind of combat that and, and make it uh, to kind of facilitate um, our lifestyle as it is, because it's very hard for people to change change their habits, right? So we almost look for more ways and more justification for for doing what we're doing.
1: So tell me about the product. What is it like? You know, we're here on audio, so it's you know we can't see it right mm-hmm. now unless we put it in the the show notes. But what does the product look like, and how is it used?
2: So so the product is um, it's a wireless portable um, uh, unit. It's um, Something that's kind of shaped like a, almost like a, an exaggerated uh, goggle, <laughs> but um, it's meant to be placed over the eyes, lying down uh, with your eyes closed at bedtime. Um, so there's no strap. and um, There's a bit of an elongated bridge, um, but it only has one single button and uh, two little LED lights that kind of deliver feedback to you about what setting you're on and what's going on. Um, So the product has two treatment surfaces that make direct contact with your eyelid, and um, you would simply push a button, and it will cycle you through three different settings. Um, The first is called uh, thermal therapy, where it is a consistent amount of therapeutic heat for seven minutes, and you'll feel the, the heat kind of slowly ramp up to that therapeutic level um, and then, at the end of the seven minutes it will it'll automatically shut off. There's also some haptic feedback in there, so you'll hear like a little vibration to tell you that the the session is over So, if you are kind of falling asleep while doing this, we've timed it in such a way that you know on average, people take about twelve to fifteen minutes to fall asleep. The treatment's about seven minutes um if you do fall asleep, it kind of shuts off on its own uh The second setting is thermal cooling so uh, that one is, so we talked a lot about the digital eye strain and the dry eyes. Um, there's also benefit from applying cold on the eyes when you have allergies or if you're trying to reduce puffy or inflamed eyes. Um, and so that, uh, the device will also deliver a cold compress for about two minutes if you want that setting. Uh, and then the third one is the thermal meditation. Um, and so we were really kind of creative with this setting um, for a few reasons, we just kind of had people using the product, trying it out, giving us feedback. And some of the things that we started to hear were less about, you know, the symptoms of, of the digital eye strain and more about, oh, this feels really relaxing. I could fall asleep. Um, it almost feels like everything around me has gone quiet. And we thought, okay, well, this is almost giving a little bit of a active disengagement or meditative experience for people. And so we pulled on that string a little bit and we integrated... Um, two different things, um, to deliver a sensory experience, as well as um, haptic feedback. Yeah,
1: what are some of the things you discovered about the product once people started using
2: it? So what was um, interesting for us is just kind of hearing what people had to say um, immediately after um, having a UMA session. And what we started to notice is they were talking less and less about, you know, some of those symptoms that we talked about earlier, like the red, burning, and dry eyes but they actually really enjoyed the experience. Um, and they started telling us, like, oh, you know, I feel really relaxed and um, the heat is really soothing, I could fall asleep, it's almost meditative. Um, so we really started to listen to that and and found that, okay, well, maybe there's something more here than just delivering therapeutic heat. So with the third setting, we looked at integrating um, a meditation experience um where we combine two different things, um, guided breath and a sensory experience. So there's a breathing exercise called uh, 478, or the relaxation breath, um, and it's been shown to help with stress and anxiety, um, helping people to fall asleep, and essentially what you would do is you would inhale for four seconds, hold for seven, and then exhale for eight, and um, so what the device will do is they'll deliver uh, very gentle haptic vibrations to guide you and signal you through that breathing cycle uh, a few times. And then it will follow with um, very minute changes in temperatures between the two eyes. So what happens is our body is able to detect very, very subtle changes in temperature. Um, and so what we do is we vary the temperature very minutely between the two eyes. and. We play around with the amplitude of those changes, and the reason we do that is because we want people to become aware of the sensory experience that's going on. Um, so you almost experience this abstract form of heat, uh, and it really draws your awareness to exactly what's happening in that moment. And when we look at meditation and the you know the variety of different ways that people are trying to um, tap into it, you know we have the apps, you have guided meditation, um, you have you know focusing on how we walk, how we eat, um, sound. We really wanted to keep it simple, like everything else with the device. So we just have people focus on this, um, the sensory experience, um, and all that is happening within the seven minutes. And the idea is that you're, one, restoring the, the natural function of the eyes. You're relaxing your respiratory rate to similar when we're, when we're sleeping with uh, the breathing exercise. And now with the sensory experience, we're actually helping you actively disconnect, not using your phone as a last minute before going to bed, but being very mindful and present um, right before falling asleep.
1: Well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. What about the, um, you know, the device itself? You said there's haptic feedback; it vibrates. What about having it vibrate on a program and massaging the eyes, you know, or the
2: mm-hmm.
1: again cycling the heat? Maybe that uh, you know, what does that do to the eyes?
2: Well, um, so there's a couple of things we're working on in terms of the final iteration. But, yeah, there is some um, thoughts behind that massage also helping to loosen up some of the oil in those glands to help facilitate that movement um, and flow through the gland. Um, But, again, it's very um, delicate, that area of the eye and those structures. And so it's about delivering um, effectiveness but also... um, being really gentle and and because this is a session and a treatment that we want people to do daily, uh, we're able to deliver um, that effectiveness in a very subtle um, and gentle way.
1: Yeah, you have to be very careful. What what about um, cycling through a series of colors of certain uh, you know of certain frequencies of wavelength? Maybe that would do something. I don't know. I mean, even with your eyes closed, you can still see light. You know, if you right. go through the eyelid. Maybe there's something there that that you can modulate too, you know?
2: Maybe, yeah. Maybe that'd be version two.
1: Well, you know, like at night, blue light's not supposed to be good for you. You know, reddish light, orange light is. Maybe you could cycle going from, uh, you know, a bluish state to red, you know, rather quickly throughout the seven minutes, you know, just like a low level light. And maybe that would do some additional signaling to make the person ready for sleep. Just an idea.
2: Right. Yeah. (laughs) yeah it's something definitely worth worth looking at and interesting it's it's a really interesting um a time and and space uh in terms of how technology is being integrated into into the products we use every day and and yet we wanna kind of keep things simple so yeah it's interesting
1: well i mean also the reverse you know you're you're having people use it before sleep, but when you wake up you know sometimes you don't wanna wake up you put on the, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, you hit the snooze button or you want to cover your eyes, maybe Mm -hmm. you could do another reverse cycle where you put it over your eyes, you lay there, um, Mm -hmm. and it slowly progresses you towards blue light and, like, kind of wakes you up and stimulates you. Maybe that would help you
2: get ready for the day. Well, we found that some people have actually enjoyed doing, let's say, the cooling in the morning and then the heat at night. Um, You know, often we're spending so much time on screens all day that they really need some kind of rest and relaxation at the end of the day, so the heat is helpful for that. Um, and then the cooling is kind of like kind of perks up the eyes and refreshes them. Or if you have a headache or you're feeling kind of sluggish, it kind of gives you that little jolt to your day. Um, and that's only a two minute session, so it gives you a quick, quick way to kind of start.
1: Yeah, my dad would, uh, you know, if it was hot out, he'd close his eyes and he'd put like a, you know, a can of Coke against his eye, you know, and, yeah. and yeah, he liked it. He said it felt good, so I would try it sometimes. And it does feel yeah. good sometimes to have a little cold in your eye. So I guess it's yeah, the old the, school way, you know.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: But huh. well, one last question: Why, why the temperature difference? Why is it important to have it uh, to have it change between the eyes uh,
2: for the thermal meditation? Because it's something that so therapeutically we wanted um, for when we're addressing the oil gland and the and the digital eye strain issues, we wanted consistent heat um, for the thermal meditation setting. Um, we just use that as a way to communicate with the user um, and to really signal that something's going on without being very invasive um, or intrusive during the bedtime routine in terms of guiding the user through a meditative experience. Like you know we didn't really want someone talking at you or or delivering uh, you know loud sounds or anything that might be disruptive when we're just about to fall asleep. So we use temperature uh, variants to as a way to communicate. Um, and draw the user's um, awareness to what's happening uh, in the moment.
1: Okay. Yeah. Any any other unexpected results you've had with the device?
2: Um, I think the biggest surprise um, was was just the way people were receptive to thermal meditation. Um, I remember the day that Ali came into the office and he said, okay, we're going to add meditation into the device and we're going to call it thermal meditation. And in my head I said, you know, no way, people aren't ready for even hearing the word meditation yet. You know, I obviously had my doubts because things have changed. The way that we talk about wellness, the way that we talk about meditation, um, just some of the stereotypes that initially came with it. Um, But we tried it, and I was really surprised to see, you know, we would set up a trade show booth, and if you walk by our booth, you'd see um, a blow-up air mattress kind of made really nice, like a bed, and then we'd have um, our banner saying, you know, reset the effects of screen time with thermal meditation. And people were so intrigued because they understood screen time, um, and they understood thermal. But they wondered what what's thermal meditation all about. And so we started telling our story. We started telling people, and it was amazing to see um, how ready people are to find better ways to improve their self care, to enhance their day to day performance. Um, and you know, internally we just thought how amazing of an opportunity it is for us to to really kind of have an impact on people's day-to-day life with something as simple as um, a daily uh, ritual that you would do right before going to bed. Yeah,
1: very cool. So where are you at with the device? Is it commercially available yet? Or are you getting close? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so yeah, we are getting close. We're we're currently going through manufacturing. Um, and anticipating shipping our first batch of units um, at the end of this year. So we're really excited about that, and we'll be doing some beta testing with our first kind of group of um, users to to really learn as much as possible and give people kind of early hands-on experience with the device. Um, So that'll be at the end of this year. And then, yeah, just really branching out and seeing kind of the potential applications of where the the product will be, we're, we're getting a lot of interest from both the eye care as well as the wellness communities. Um, but, yeah, our goal between now and the next six months is really just to get it in people's hands and, and at their bedside.
1: Yeah, I know you have a lot to do, but I just wonder if um, <laughs> people that get uh, laser eye surgery, if this could be way you know, modulated to rehab their eyes faster. Um, you know, For people that have other conditions, I wonder if it will affect their eyes in a positive way. So there's a lot to explore, you know, in addition to this, but so far it's, it sounds really cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah most definitely. So, a lot of
1: applications. Yeah. Is there um, an early sign up list where people can request it and they, you'll let them know when it's ready?
2: Yeah, most definitely. So currently, if you go to our website, um, mm. there's a, a waitlist that we're taking so you can just sign up your name there and uh, kind of stay in touch with us and, and we'll give you updates on when we'll be ready to launch and just some information. Um, so that we can connect. So you can feel free to just join on the wait list um, and keep in touch that way.
1: That's great. Which, I mean, thanks for coming. It's a very cool uh, project. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I hope that uh, it has all kinds of amazing positive effects in addition to what you've discovered.
2: <laughs> thanks so much for having me. It was great chatting.
0: You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reach the age 40... Or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use we dive deep into stem cells crispr cas 9 the science of sleep epigenetics medical testing cancer ketogenic diets stem cells aging regenerative medicine and more my goal for you the listener is to learn from these podcasts you may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better steer you towards a new career or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you.